Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for life. Thank God for strength. Thank God you were able to get up this morning and make your way to the house of the Lord to gather with the people of God to worship our good and merciful God. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. What have we been teaching about over the last few weeks? Worship. What do you think we're going to be teaching about today? You all are prophets. You all operate in the gift of wisdom. Say hallelujah. Amen, amen. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to stay. We're going to stay in Matthew chapter 2 to begin with. We're going to look at, continue to look at the wise men or these, these folks that we call wise men were actually really local rulers and, and, and local kings. And we see that they were very wealthy. They were people who were always being served. They were people who were always being honored, um, in a sense being worshipped. But they receive a revelation that Jesus had been born. Oh my goodness, I felt that. They received a revelation that Jesus, the Son of God, had been born. May God increase our revelation of who Jesus is. He who is born King of the Jews. During this season, let it not be about you, me, myself, and I, and my family. Let it be about who? These rich, wise Rulers, kings, heard that the Son of God was born and with much less revelation than you and I have of who he is and what he came to do. They traveled over four months, the Bible says, to find this child that had been born. He had, he had not yet died. He had not yet giving his life for you and me. He had not yet done the work of salvation. They didn't know any of that. They only knew that he was the promised Messiah, the king of the Jews. They knew enough, and what they knew caused them to travel four months just to find the child to do one thing, and that was to worship him. With all that we know, with all that we know by the word and by the spirit concerning Jesus, how far are you willing to go in your life How much are you willing to inconvenience yourself? How much are you willing to spend of your time and your energy and your treasure in order to worship 
him. Their actions demonstrate at least two things. One, their actions demonstrate the greatness of Jesus. Kings left those who were worshiping them to go and worship a greater king. Their actions demonstrate his greatness. Their actions demonstrate the importance of worship. Kings stopped doing what they were doing in order to go and worship him. What are you willing to stop? Lay aside. Put on the shelf. Because you understand how important it is that you worship him. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. My prayer for myself and for you, church, and for all those who are watching is that the Lord will so work in us to conform us and transform us into the type of worshipers that he deserves. That we will not be those who are content with worshiping him only when it's convenient to worshiping him with only that which is convenient. Say, Lord, make me the type of worshiper that you are worthy of. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Amen. We're continuing to stress worship, the Holy Ghost leading us, because the scripture teaches us that we were created for God's glory. Amen. This is what we are created for. Look, look, look at what, what Isaiah said. He said, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Do you know that, well, first of all, how many of you believe with all your heart you were created by God? How many of you believe that God had a purpose for creating you? And now how many of you believe, because God said it, that his purpose for creating you was for his Now, because we were created for his glory, whenever we are living our lives for anything but his glory, we are abusing his creation. Let me say it this way. If I take this mic, which was created to amplify my voice, and decide to use it as a hammer, I will be doing what? Abusing the mic. If you take a human being, that's you, who were created to glorify him, 
and start to use your life for any other purpose than to glorify him, you are abusing the human being. You are abusing your spirit. I'm abusing my spirit when I'm living for or doing something other than living for God's glory. So many of professing Christians are guilty of spiritual abuse. Abusing themselves, in particular their spirits, well, the whole you, because your body was created for God's glory too. Your mind was created for God's glory. Your spirit was created for God's glory. So if I or you am doing anything with my mind, my body, my spirit, that doesn't bring God glory, isn't primarily for God's glory, I am abusing God's creation. So we've got to make the glory of God our purpose for every decision and for everything we do. Here's a good thing. When you're using something for the purpose for which it's, it was created, that thing is operating at its highest level, right? And so when we are using our spirit, our souls, our body, and everything God has given us for God's glory, we experience the greatest level of personal fulfillment possible. The Bible says in his presence is what? Fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So when I am actually engaged in glorifying God because that's the purpose for which I am created, I experience fullness of joy. I experience pleasures forevermore. So one of the reasons why it's so important that I worship and that I glorify God is first and foremost because that's what I was created for. But secondly, it's because that's when I am going to experience the greatest fulfillment and the greatest joy in life. Remember, anything else is abuse. We don't tolerate child abuse. We don't tolerate spousal abuse. And we should get to the place where we don't tolerate spiritual abuse. Not in our lives and not in the life of others. In Jesus' name, say, Lord, I was created for your glory. Now, let's look at this verse because the Holy Spirit draws our attention in this verse to a very critical connection uh, between worship and giving. Let's read it. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They came for the purpose of worshiping him. Now they're engaging in the very acts of worship, bringing glory to him. And we see at the very core, front and center of their worship, that they are engaged in this presenting of an offering of gifts. They are involved in giving to the one 
they worship. Now, I want us to kind of erase the notion that all of us probably grew up with that there were three, three kings or three wise men. The fact is there were probably dozens, could be even up to a hundred. So I want you to get this, this, this sense of a lot of rich rulers, powerful men who have come and they worship. They bow down, which again is the surrender of themselves and the submission of themselves to him. And then they offer gifts. What gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Bible doesn't tell us that it was a pot of gold. It just said they brought gold. So see, see rulers, many rich kings, and all of them come and they bring gold. Just say gold. <laughs> we don't know how much gold, but I suspect it was quite a lot. And then they brought incense and myrrh. Those were very, very expensive, expensive spices. Expenses. They brought and also presented it to him. You see, these people knew what I pray that we will know, that worship, at the very core of worship, there is the desire and the act of giving. Say that. At the very core of worship is giving. Giving is an essential part of our worship of, of the Lord. And by giving, I mean we first give ourselves to him. The bowing down is the giving of ourselves to him. And then there is the giving of our substance to him for his glory. Say with me, say, say worship is the act of giving myself and my substance to the Lord for his glory. One more time. Worship is the act of giving myself and my substance to the Lord for the glory of the Lord. So this is what I'm contending this morning. I'm contending that all worship is giving. All worship essentially must be an act of giving. I'm contending that without giving, you cannot worship. That there's no such thing as worship that is not, in fact, my giving, myself, and my substance to the Lord for his glory. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm saying worship is, in fact, the act of giving myself and my substance to the Lord for his glory. And if I am not giving myself and my substance to the Lord for his glory, I am not worshiping. I may be singing songs, but I'm not worshiping. 
Notice also what I am not saying. I am not saying all giving is worship. Because there are many times and many folks who give, but their giving does not qualify as worship. Because it's not just giving, but why you give and how you giving, how you give, that makes your giving acceptable to God as worship. Are you with me? For instance, you are not worshiping if you're giving to be seen of men. I mean, you know the story of the Pharisees. Jesus said they gave, but they didn't give for the glory of God. They gave to glorify themselves. And when we give so that we glorify ourselves, when we give to impress men, when we give in order to look good to men, and not for the glory of God, then our giving, no matter how much it is, does not qualify as worship. Brothers and sisters, give, but don't give to be seen. Now, that doesn't mean that people can't see you give. That's not the point. Don't let your motive for giving be so that I can be seen and praised by men. Here's another way that you can give and not be worshipped. Uh, to give by force. You give because you feel pressure. And it's like someone, someone is forcing you to give. You're giving because you are under the compulsion to give, but it's not willingly. And so while you're giving, you are under your breath complaining. You are upset. You are not joyful. No, no. Compulsory giving does not glorify God. That's not worship. For my giving to be worship, it must be a willing, a free and willing offering that I give to God. Even when you're tithing, if you decide to tithe, do so not because you feel forced to. Do so for the glory of God. Not because you feel if you don't do it, God is going to kill you. God doesn't have a gun to your head. Are you hear me? I tithe and I give far more than tithe. But it's not because I feel that if I don't do it, I'm going to die tonight. If I don't do it, my, I'll get sick. Because God's going to get his tithe one way or the other. That's not worship. No, if you're going to give the 10% or whatever you decide you're going to set apart for the Lord, do it for his. Here's a third way a person may give and it not be worship at all. is if they give only that which they have no use for. Or they give that which they do, have, they, have, they do not value. The Bible says when you give to the Lord, don't give him the weak, the sick, the lame. You are to give the best. 
And so for your worship to be worship or your giving to be worship, you must give unto the Lord that which you have value for. The things you value in your life are the things you offer to God in worship. So if you value time, well, guess what you should be offering God? People are not hearing me on this side. How many of you value time? If you're in America, you value time. Right? Guess what? Because you value so much time, that's what you should be giving to the Lord. You need to find some quality time. And say, Lord, because I value time so much, here is some quality time I'm offering to you for your glory as an act of my worship. What else do you value? Come and tell the truth. Tell the truth. <laughs> Some, I think it's in the Bible, money answereth all things. But that's the truth, people. If you value money, guess what you should be bringing to the Lord? You cannot give him yourself and leave your money at home. You can't do it. That's not worship. You can say, Lord, I will give you time, but I'm not going to give you treasure. No, you've got to look at your life and ask yourself, what are the things that are most important to me? What are the things I value? What are the things that I need? Lord, because these are the things I value and I need, I'm going to worship you with these things. You follow me? So remember that worship is giving. You cannot worship without giving. First you give yourself and then you give your substance. Worship is giving. Without giving of yourself and your substance, worship is impossible. But not all giving is worship because for giving to be worshiped, you must give for God's glory. You must give freely. You must give that which you value. Because he deserves it. Come on, raise two hands to heaven and talk to him right now. And tell him he deserves it. Come on, tell him he deserves it. Praise him a little bit. Amen. Hallelujah. So, remember this. I, I keep this in mind. Because you want to be, and I want to be, a true worshiper, right? If you're stingy with your time, In offering it to the Lord, if you're stingy with your substance in offering it to the Lord, you are a stingy worshiper. Now, this, I mean, this is truth. Can I, let's be real. You have a choice. You can be a super worshiper. And be 
always looking for ways and opportunities to offer yourself and your substance for God's glory. Or you can be a stinger worshiper, holding on to as much as you can and giving as little as you think you can get away with. But we're changing. Say, I'm changing. We're changing. We're going to develop the attitude of King David. What is King David's attitude in 2 Samuel chapter 24? 24, someone wanted to give something free to David to build uh, the house of the Lord, right? And David said, no, 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 no. I, I, I refuse for you to give that to me free. In fact, thank you for putting it on the screen. Let's read it together. Then the king said to Irona, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, everybody, with that which costs me. So David's attitude as a worshiper, no wonder the Bible says he had a heart after God. His attitude as a worshiper was, I will not be stingy in my worship. I refuse to offer God that which has not cost me something. If I'm going to worship him, I'm going to give him that which has cost me. I'm going to give him something that is costly to me, valuable to me. I will not worship that which costs me nothing. Now, how different is that from the attitudes that many of us have today, especially since COVID? Our attitude now is I will not offer God what costs me much because I need my time and I need my strength. And I need my money for myself and for my family. It's quiet in our Presbyterian church. But I really want you and me to really examine our attitude. We got to get this business of what it means to worship God right. And stop Deceiving ourselves. But I'm being honest. Many of us have the attitude that I will only do that which fits into my convenient schedule. Because I got too many other priorities. I need time for me, me time, me time, me time. And there's enough time for you to have me time and God time. It's not like God doesn't know you have needs. But we've got to get this into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirit, my brother and sister. God is worth everything we have. We have nothing that we didn't receive from him. And if we're going to worship him, we've got to worship him with our best. Our attitude cannot be, Lord, okay, I will worship, but I will give, but it can't cost too much of my time 
And it can't cost too much of my money because, God, you know, I got some other plans that are very important to me. My career, very important. My family, very important. How I look, very important. After all, I want to get married. How I spend my time, very important. So, Lord, I will do what I can when I find the time. I will give when I can when I find the money. In the meantime, you seem to have time to do a lot of other things you want to do. And you seem to have money to buy a lot of things you want to buy. I see the new car. <laughs> I see the new suits. I see the new shoes. So it's not like you don't have any money. I mean, there are some places where people genuinely don't have any money. But not you. Say, Bishop, you're preaching better than we're listening. And you say, but Bishop, I don't have time. Well, look at why you don't have time. God gives all of us 24 hours in every day. So look at why you don't have time. Is it because you have made decisions on how you are going to use your time in such a way that you got none left over and shouldn't be left over? Sorry, I don't even want to use that. that. But you have none left to offer to the service of the Lord. Look at your time and how you spend it and ask yourself, how many of these things that are on this schedule did I have a choice to do or not to do? And why did I choose to do this rather than to do ministry? Why did I choose to do this rather than to be faithful on Sunday in gathering with God's people for worship. I'm preaching grace though. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you what people who have received and understand the grace of God do with their time and with their talent and their treasure. They don't give because of obligation or compulsion. They don't give because of fear. They give, they worship motivated now by a sense of gratitude. And love for the one who has done so much for them. I'm telling you what people do when they're really trusting the Lord to take care of them. Then they're able to release some of the things that they feel they got to have. Or else. Here is, here is, here is, I, th I really believe that this is deception, but it's, it's, it's one of the ways that the, I believe, now if you want to argue with me, you're free to argue with me, I'm still right. <laughs> but, but, but no, I'm joking, but I do want you to, to hear this, okay? Because I believe, this is, this is a man-made philosophy 
that has been embraced as though it is the clear teaching of Bible. And this is it. Here is the order. God first. Family second. God's work. Ministry third. And then the other things follow. Show me in the Bible. Give me chapter and verse. Give me clear teaching where God says, this is the order. God first, then my family, my wife, my children second, then God's work, ministry third, and then anything else. Anybody got chapter and verse for that? Is that what the scriptures teach? I have a problem with that because you know what happens when you make that, and I really believe it's, a, it's philosophy, it's not Bible. When you make that the rule that you live by, then it's easy to justify right now, I'm just going to focus on my family completely. I don't need to be involved in ministry. I don't need to do God's work because God wants me to take care of my family first. The truth is, you can take care of family and do ministry if you order your life according to the word and the priorities that God has set there. If you have the choice, now maybe there might be some places where they put you in jail or something, but if you have the choice to make your own schedule, then hear me, if you are following biblical principles and Bible guidelines, that schedule would make it possible for you to take care of your family well and do God's work well. So if you're in a situation where you say, well, no, right now, all I'm going to do is focus on my family. I don't ask me to serve in the church. I don't have any time to even attend church regularly because God wants to know that is not what the Bible teaches. Let me challenge that. If that is what the word teaches, and that is supposed to be the order by which you make decisions, then why is it that Jesus said to this man in the book of Luke, Jesus said in verse 9, he says, listen, follow me. And the man said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And really what he was saying, Lord, I can't follow you now. Because I got family responsibilities. After all, family before God's work. And Lord, you should know that. After all, you told us, right? Now, some of the commentaries said that it's not just that the man's father had just died and he was going to bury. The man's father was old. And when he says, let me bury my father in me, let me go home. I can't leave home yet. Because I got all of these family responsibilities. Let me, I got to be home now to take care of my elderly father and whatever else he had to do. If you are using the philosophy, God, then family, then ministry, the man was right. But what did Jesus say to him? Jesus said to him, my man? Oh, no, no, I, I'm going to Liberian. <laughs> Jesus said to him, Sir, let the dead bury their own dead. 
But, but you go and proclaim or preach the kingdom of God. You go and do ministry. Go, do God's work. That doesn't sound like God, family, then ministry in Jesus' mind. If it's God, family, and ministry, and neither am I saying it's God, ministry, and family. I'm saying that whole order thing needs to just, you just need to recognize that is man's philosophy and not Bible teaching. And so stop treating it as though this is God's will. You need to find out what God's will is in every situation and do what God's will is. God has a will for your family, you need to do it. God has a will for ministry, and you need to do that too. And God has enough wisdom to give you the ability to do both and do both well. How many guests that we have here today? Are you a guest? Welcome, I. I hope you're being blessed. <laughs> God bless you. Are you still here? All right. Then another time, there was an invitation that was sent out to come to a supper, right? And they sent back, oh, so we can't come right now. We've just purchased uh, some land. We're engaged in some deep real estate investment right now. Heavy real estate, the, the, the demands of the business, the demands of the work. So please, right now we can't stop. The opportunity is too great. So for the next six months, I can't do anything, Lord. Ministry-wise, because I got to just focus on this investment. The other person said, I, 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 I just bought some what? Oxen. I just got some new farm equipment. And I need to make sure that that is taken care of. So please, I can't come right now. Then one person said, Lord, I just got married. Come on, say that, Lord. I just got married. Lord, I just got a baby. Lord, I just, I just, <laughs> whatever, you can go on and on, right? My, what an excuse. Surely Jesus, you should understand. It's God, family. Then if we got some time for the work and for ministry. And the Bible says, even that, Jesus said, uh-uh. In fact, the scripture says the man became angry. And he said, go into the streets, call the poor, call those who really appreciate who I am. Those who really, really value an invitation from me. Those who really know who I am and who will not make these kinds of excuses and think they're justified. You go and bring them. Brethren, let's be honest. We cannot truly worship if worship is an act of giving of ourselves and of our substance totally to the Lord for his glory, we cannot truly worship him and not work with him or do his work. 
How can I say to him, Lord, I offer myself to you totally. I offer my substance to you totally. Lord, I worship you with my whole strength, my mind, my body. But Lord, right now, I don't have time to do any work or any ministry in your name. You can't do it. So let's not deceive ourselves or allow ourselves to be deceived. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And listen to me. When we're doing the thing we're created for, bringing him glory, making, pleasing him our number one objective, doing his will, my brother and sister, we will find true fulfillment and true joy. And we will experience his grace at work in areas that before we would have to carry the burden we'll find that he'll make the burden light because now we're trusting him. This is what Jesus said, and I'm going to have to stop, but listen to this. Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot. Say, you cannot serve. Some of you say, well, what does Jesus mean? I got two jobs. Some of us say, I got three and I, I'm, I'm managing to please everybody. So what does Jesus mean when he says that? He's not talking about you having an employer. He's talking about you having a master. There's a difference between an employee-employer relationship and a master-servant relationship. He's saying you cannot be a slave. You cannot be totally and completely committed to more than one person or thing. You cannot. In other words, let me say this. If you are serving the Lord, if you are totally and completely committed to him, and that's what all of us are called to be and do, right? You cannot be totally committed to the Lord and totally committed to your wife and to your family, to your job, to your career, even to your church. You cannot be totally committed to the Lord and totally committed to anything else. You if you are totally committed to the Lord, then you can only be conditionally committed to anything else. I, I, I am not totally committed to Pastor Chris because I have to be totally committed to the Lord. And if I'm totally committed to the Lord as much as I'm committed to her, my commitment to her is conditional. If you are unconditionally committed to your spouse, then you are not totally committed to the Lord. Because if you are totally committed to your spouse, then spouse, that means you won't be able to choose the Lord over and above her. Or choose him, or choose the Lord over and above him. You always have to be able to choose the Lord over anyone or anything else. Or you're not totally committed to him. You cannot be equally committed to the Lord and anyone or anything else. So practically speaking, it means my, my commitment to Pastor Chris is conditional. Her commitment to me is conditional. Conditional on what? That, that whatever I do does not in any way violate or disobey God. Because my commitment to God is first. 
Are you hearing me? Amen? It means that I will not agree to be in favor of anything in my relationship with Pastor Chris that will cause me not to be pleasing to the Lord in any other area of my life. It means that at all times, my first commitment is to be pleasing the Lord in all of my relationships. Pleasing to the Lord in my relationship to my wife, but pleasing the Lord in my relationship to, to others. Pleasing the Lord in my relationship to his church. Pleasing the Lord in my relationship to my career. I cannot allow my love for Pastor Chris to cause me to be displeasing to the Lord in my other relationships. I got to stop. I'm not done. So I will continue next week. You're going to be here? Don't run away and say that message, Bishop Preacher. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> In fact, you need to say, look, you need to invite as many people next week. No, truly, because ultimately it's for God's glory, but it's also for our good. This is the only way to fulfill your purpose, the purpose for which God created you. It can only be fulfilled if you are totally committed to God and God alone. And every other commitment has to be conditional upon you being faithful to your commitment to him. You cannot sacrifice your commitment to him and the quality of your commitment and your obedience to him. And you're pleasing him in every area of life. You can't sacrifice any of that just to satisfy yourself or please somebody else who is making certain demands that are inconsistent with God's perfect will for you. Father, take what we've said and ask, ask that by your spirit you would truly, truly cause this word to transform us into the worshipers you have called us to be. Help us to truly grasp the revelation that worship is giving. It is giving of myself totally to you. It is the giving of my substance because I cannot give myself and leave my substance behind totally to you for your glory. Help us to grasp the revelation that to be totally committed to you means we have to be only conditionally committed to anyone or anything else because first and foremost we must please you in all the areas of our lives in which you have revealed your will thank you father in Jesus name amen amen this sermon will be on online please go to, to the YouTube go to our Facebook go to our app but please listen to this sermon over and over and please share it because I believe a lot of Christians need to hear this word. So let's get this out to as many as we possibly can. And more importantly, or most importantly, let's make sure that we allow this word to work in us to produce the kind of changes that need to happen for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, you glad you came? Really glad? Amen. Amen. Please listen to the word over and over again and think about it so that you can be a doer of the word and not a hearer on the word.